Growing up sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of three 20-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Growing Up Sucks, where we try to make it not suck. That's the best way to say it. <laughs> I have two guests with me today. I have Heather and I have Kelsey. So, uh, Heather, you're a regular now, so why don't you tell us again who you are, and then we'll get to Kelsey. Um, I'm Heather. I'm a recent college graduate with a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism and Communications. And I currently work in a pizza place as a line cook. And I actually enjoy it, even though it's not in my field. <laughs> yep, some jobs are just enjoyable, whether or not, you know, but uh, I presume you want to do something different. You want to get something in your field, right? Yeah, I want to be an investigative reporter. So, oh. well, we have probably the best person to talk to then. So Kelsey Thompson, tell us who you are. Hi, everyone. I am Kelsey Thompson. Uh, I currently work as the Associate Director of the Career and Professional Development Center at IUP. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, Heather, why don't you start? Ask her some questions. We'll go from there. <laughs> well, actually, the big first question I have is what is the best way to job search? Because that is something I'm struggling with right now. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's a loaded question, right? right. Um, I don't think there's a perfect formula to job search. And if there was, that would make my job a lot easier if I could just say, you know, do this, then this, that's going to then equal a job. Um, but there are some tips and tricks of the trade. So uh, when I'm working with students or alum that are, you know, approaching a job search or they're trying to navigate a job search, uh, some of the things that I'll tell them is to really be intentional. So take some time before you start going through job postings and all of that stuff um, to be intentional about the type of job that you're looking for. So really try and narrow down, okay, what am I looking for in terms of this kind of next step, this next position? Um, figuring out where you'd like to be geographically is also really important, I think. Um, you can be open to a lot of different areas, but I think having some target locations where you'd like to end up is really helpful because that will help with your search. Um, I also will talk to students about figuring out what their um, job non-negotiables are. And so these are things that you kind of aren't really willing to settle on when it comes to um, accepting a job offer. And this can really be anything. It's definitely going to be highly specific to the person and what's really important to them. So it might be a dollar amount. It might be a salary number. Uh, maybe, you know, you want to live in a big city. And so just based off of the cost of living, you know, you need to make X amount of dollars to make ends meet. Um, it might be having great medical benefits or you're really looking for uh, paid time off. I think we're going to see a lot of people now looking for um, opportunities for remote work and maybe flex schedules, just given everything that we faced over the last year with a lot of us working from home in the pandemic. Um, it could be job responsibilities. So maybe you're really focused on having um, a job that allows you to do certain things. Or it could be the office culture. I know when I was searching for jobs um, and I wanted to work at a college career center, I was really focused on joining a team that was really collaborative and everyone had their own unique responsibilities, but it was a really great place to learn and work. And so those non-negotiables, I think, you know, having a couple that you're not really willing to settle on will help you sift through all of the different postings that you come across and figure out, okay, where am I going to um, really focus my efforts? Uh, with job searching too, you all also want to have all of your materials ready. So like have an updated resume that's been edited, reviewed, uh, know what a cover letter is, understand how to write one, what to include. 
Uh, make sure you have some professional references. So we always say like about three professional references um, and make sure they're notified. Make sure that you've talked to them beforehand and they're willing to serve as a reference and you have updated contact information. So email, phone number. And then if you are on LinkedIn, making sure that profile is up to date as well. So making sure all of those external materials are ready to go. And then from there, I think it's helpful to cast a wide net. There are a lot of different job search engines that you can use to look for different um, opportunities. I really like LinkedIn. Um, I think LinkedIn has some great um, job search features. Um, Indeed is a great catch-all. So there are a lot of postings on um, Indeed. And then at IUP, we have um, a career management platform called Handshake that students can search as well um, for postings there as well. And Handshake is actually um, accessible to anyone. So anyone can get on Handshake and search for jobs. And then targeting specific company websites, I think is another great approach. So if you know some organizations in your field that you'd like to work for or work at, um, they'll have a lot of times homegrown job boards. So you can check there for postings. A lot of times companies will um, have those postings kind of go then onto like an Indeed or a LinkedIn. They'll populate them out onto different sites, but some might not. And so you don't want to run the risk of maybe missing um, a job that wasn't shared on some of those larger job boards. So those specific company websites can be another great way way to look for um, positions. Um, And then I also love like professional organization job boards. So if there's a professional organization in your field, um, you can look at job boards that they might have available to members um, as well. And then the last thing when you're job searching is to really use your network. So we talk about networking all the time at the Career Center, um, how important it is to develop relationships with people in your field, maybe even, you know, a little bit outside of your field, because you just don't know who you know and how they might be connected to someone that could lead to a really awesome opportunity. And so hopefully, you know, you've been building up your network over the last couple of years and now's the time to kind of lean on them and share that you're looking and maybe see what can come about from those connections that you've developed. So those are kind of the four big areas that I would advise someone to focus on and make a priority when they're job searching. So let's make this interactive. Let's go back now and ask Heather each of these and see where she's at. So how about the non-negotiable, Heather? Do you have any non-negotiables? Um, there is a few as far as salary goes. That took me a while to figure out, actually, because at, in high school, we were never taught anything like that. We were just yeah. taught if there's a job offer, you take it. Um, and then in college, I did take a professional preparation class, which was really helpful. Um And the professor really told us, you know, you should have these at least five things set that are non-negotiable, three to five things. And um, my boyfriend, who's also in the same field, we're looking to move together eventually somewhere and get a job in that same field. So we have each our own set non-negotiables, our independent non-negotiables. And then we actually have a collaborative non-negotiable list as well. Um, so maybe not at the same business place, but in the same field and the same city. And it was, it was really difficult to make that list though, because I'm the type that I just want to jump right in. So to have a list, like a set list made of things that are non-negotiable, that's also my non-negotiable too. Like we can't change this. We're leaving it alone. Don't touch it. (laughs) Especially if a job comes up that everything looks good, but the non-negotiables aren't there. 
I have to like weigh the options. And that's really where my boyfriend comes in is like, you have this list, you need to stick to this list. And that's, I think that that was the biggest struggle out of everything Kelsey said. That was my biggest struggle was making that list. Kelsey, have you heard that story before? Do people find it hard to make a non-negotiable list? Yes. And I myself even find it hard sometimes to make a non-negotiable list because I think everything's important, right? But sometimes you have to be a little bit more specific there. So I think it just takes a little bit of time and it doesn't hurt to bounce ideas off of people that you consider to be close. So whether it be a boyfriend, a faculty, like a professor, an advisor, a family member um, to kind of weigh those options. But yeah, settling in on those non-negotiables can be difficult. I've heard that story quite a few times. And Heather, I do want to give you some assurance. It's not that unusual to have somebody in your life that you also have to accommodate when it comes to the job search function. I mean, I had a wife and two kids when I got my first faculty job and I had to make sure she was comfortable going wherever we went um, for that faculty job. So that's, that's not, you know, it's, it's not every 22 year old is going to have that at that when they graduate college, but a lot do for one reason or another, really. And one reason is when I graduated college, uh, my parents were going through a messy divorce or a separation. They ended up not getting divorced and I wanted to go back home. So I, I really limited my options to something within an easy drive of my hometown. Uh, and that was, a, that was key. Like, I wasn't going to take anything that I couldn't go home and be a part of that uh, and help my brother and, and sister and stuff like that. So uh, I was in anyway. a similar position, Eric, when I graduated from graduate school, um, I knew I wanted to be close to home and Indiana's home for me. So I wanted to be within like an hour and a half, two hour radius. And so I definitely limited myself. Um, but I was steadfast in that I knew I wanted to be here. And so it ended up working out, but um, yeah, I definitely yeah. limited myself in terms of my classmates who were doing these kind of countrywide job searches and they were looking at Hawaii and Florida and Arizona. And I had this like little radius in Western <laughs> Pennsylvania, but that was important to me and I really wasn't willing to settle. That's I, actually I, how um, no regrets, my either. boyfriend and I started with the job search was anywhere in the world. We'll go anywhere. <laughs> we'll blindly apply to places. And then a few weeks ago, we did have an opportunity come up for a different state, but the problem was that it was in one of the highest crime places in the world, and I'm from a small town. He's from a city, so he has a little bit more experience with the city life, but even he wasn't comfortable at that point, and I told him, we need to narrow our vision field down to maybe around where, cause I'm currently in Indiana as well. Um, so we need to like narrow our field down to Indiana, Pittsburgh, Erie, Philly, like those types of places, maybe not out of state until a year or two from now and focus on that. So we both were disappointed with that decision because we do want <laughs> to eventually get out of Pennsylvania. But I was like, we need to do stepping stones. We can't do giant leaps into the future, which is disappointing. And those listening outside of our state, this is Indiana, Pennsylvania, we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> university is Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which is in the town called Indiana in Pennsylvania. Well, Very confusing to people. So walk us through another one of those, Kelsey. So what was another one of those points? And let's see how Heather responds. Um, okay. So um, all of your materials ready. Have you developed a resume? Do you know what a cover letter is? References, LinkedIn. I actually just updated my resume last week, which made me very happy <laughs> to do. Um, I had a very small basic resume made on Word from, from a high school class I took. 
And then I actually took two years off of from high after I graduated high school before I went came to college. Oh, cool. And um, I just had that very small basic resume, probably freshman and sophomore year. And then the end of sophomore year, I took a class that was basically resume making. And it basically, our professor made us like make a beautiful resume in her words. And we went on to Canva and we used Photoshop even, and we made, you know, these big elaborate resumes, but I hated it because I thought it was too much and it was too cluttered. And a few of the people in the class had more experience than others. And their resume was two, three, four pages long, which isn't good. And we later learned that resumes should be one page. Um, So I went in and I added in uh, the work I'm doing for Eric, which (laughs) I think has opened up my field a little bit more, actually. Um, And I added in, I worked at the school newspaper for three years. So I made sure to elaborate more on that rather than just put newspaper and like two things. And that was it. Um, And it was, it was a little difficult at first because I'd never had experience making a resume. I didn't know what I was doing, but the writing center helped and getting feedback from my professors like Eric and other professors, it helped a lot too. Um, the cover letter was a bit more complicated for me because I hate talking about myself. (laughs) So I has to pitch the career center real quick because you could have taken your resume to the career center, right? Yes, I could have, (laughs) I could have. Resumes are our bread and butter. So that is definitely (laughs) something we help with all students, alum, we work with community members periodically as well. It's definitely regardless of where you want to end up or what you want to do, most of, in some point, you're going to probably need to have a resume created. And that's definitely something we can help with. Every college has a career center for us. Yes. So um, just for all the college students out there, find your career center and take yeah, it. Yeah. Utilize your career center. They have a lot of great resources and sometimes we're kind of that hidden or forgotten office on campus. We have a lot of really great resources that become very important when you're getting ready to kind of get your way out the door. So Heather, do you use LinkedIn or indeed or which of those? I do. I use um, indeed a bit more than LinkedIn, mainly just because it's easier. I think and indeed is easier to me. Um, I think the last time I was on my LinkedIn was probably right before I graduated just to update everything and put on there that instead of a student, I'm now a graduate because I know that can really help play a role in finding a job too. Um, but I did update that and I have quite a few connections on there, um, mainly professors and then professors who know people who know people who know people. <laughs> so, so, you've not been on LinkedIn in the last month or two? I haven't, no. I recommend getting, what do you think, Kelsey? I recommend getting back on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Even if you just check like a couple of times a week, it can be, if you use it correctly, it can be really valuable and you can meet a lot of people. You can really do a lot of great networking without having to leave the comfort of your home. And um, you can search for jobs as well. So it's really multifaceted. It's on my, um, I have a big to-do list and that is at the top of the to-do list. Get back on LinkedIn. Let me jump on what Chelsea said though, because using your network, there's there's a theory and I'm sure she knows it called the strength of weak ties. Maybe you've heard it too either, which is the idea that you know, if you only tell the people you really know well that you're on the job market, they probably all have the same connections because they're in your circle. It's the people outside your circle that have their own circle. And when they find out you're looking for a job, they're like, oh, yeah, I've, I've known somebody. You've never even heard of this person. But they're like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who might have that. And so you have to tell everybody you're on the job market. And 
people love to help people find jobs. I, it's really just a, yeah. really, it's a, it's a, a warm stroke on the back for me to help somebody find a job. I just love doing it. Everybody loves doing it. So you, you don't be afraid yeah. of everybody you're on the job market and what job you want. Right, Kelsey? Yeah. Be specific. Tell everyone. I mean, honestly, that's how I hear a lot of people end up finding their position. It's through a offhanded conversation or maybe they post something on LinkedIn and then someone reaches out to them or in that conversation, they say, Oh, you know, I actually know someone, a cousin of mine works here. Send me your resume or, Oh, you know, I've heard that there's an opening here. Someone at work mentioned it. It's all through those kind of conversations. We'll talk about the hidden job market sometimes in some of our conversations and presentations. And a lot of jobs are found through that hidden job market. They're not always the things you're seeing online that are posted or that we're sharing at, you know, on social media through our career center accounts or career fairs. It's through those conversations that you end up finding a really awesome opportunity. So don't be shy. This is definitely not the time to be shy and and not share. Definitely tell anyone because um, you'd be, really be surprised what you learn and what you find out. And in that hidden job market, just to, to, to put another uh, point to that, a lot of times, and I've hired, I want to hire somebody that comes, you know, trusted. I, I, I like to get somebody yeah. referred to me than just a blind resume that I pick up off the internet or something. So, you know, it, it's through that network that usually I'll find somebody because I'll, I'll put the word out. I'm looking for somebody who might be able to do this. I'll tell everybody and they're like, Oh, I know this person. And I love getting somebody recommended to me because it's already, they're probably already a good person or else this, they wouldn't be friends with them. Right. I, that's what I mean by the hidden network. It's just, I don't always post a job if I think I can find it without having to post. Cause it's a lot of work for me to go through dozens and dozens of resumes and try to find one good one. Right. Kelsey, you agree Everyone with that? starts to look the same on paper. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone starts to look the same on paper, Eric. So to your point, if you have someone that you know and trust that can recommend someone, then already that person is going to stand out because, okay, well, if they like them or they recommend them, then they're probably worth talking to, you know, not that you can't find jobs by just applying online, but it definitely is not going to hurt your cause. If you know someone in that organization, that that's definitely going to benefit you. That's a good point. It's not that you can't find jobs the other way. It's just, you also want to use this avenue because <laughs> yeah, Jobs work on both both uh, planes, if you will. They get yeah. So, uh, so you're moving along. That was there another one of those questions we could ask her, Kelsey, the, whether she's ready. Um, we talked a little bit about both. I think we kind of hit on that with the last uh, point there, because we talked about using different job search engines and networking. So, those are kind of my four points. We talked about being intentional, non-negotiables, having materials ready, and then casting a wide net and using your network. So. All right. Keep on doing what you're doing, Heather. Back to you, Heather. Do you have other questions? What What else? I do. Um, the one is in school a lot, especially in the classes, we heard what we should put on a resume and what needs to be on a resume. But is there anything that should not go on a resume that should either wait until the interview or maybe even not be mentioned at all? Um, so not necessarily things that don't need to be included until an interview or, or not at all. I think with Resumes, you want to be, um, you want to really tailor these documents to the positions that you're applying for. So while you might have this really perfect resume that's edited, each time you're submitting it for an application, I always advise anyone that I'm working with to take a look at the position description and have their resume side by side and look to see, okay, based off of what this company is looking for, 
am I making it, am I making a case that I'm someone that they would want to hire or bring in for an interview? Obviously being honest and accurate with what you're sharing, not trying to fudge information, but really just trying to see, am I really emphasizing that I have similar skills and experiences to what this position is looking for? So, um, but in terms of things to not include on a resume, um, you never want to have, and this is all about trying to kind of um, have your resume go through applicant tracking systems, which a lot of um, larger companies and organizations use when they're hiring. And these systems are great in the sense that they allow organizations to help filter out maybe hundreds of applications that are coming in. However, they can be somewhat finicky. And so with that, you never want to have QR codes, pictures, text boxes, colored fonts, templates. None of those are really easily read on applicant tracking systems. And so that's why typically we advise students to have a pretty traditional resume in terms of structure and appearance. Just use a blank Word document, just a black colored font, um, and build it that way because it will allow it to kind of go through those application tracking systems, applicant tracking systems. And then not that you'd be inclined to include personal information, but age, weight, gender, ethnicity, all of that should be left off as well. And I, let me add, because I teach career preparation within our department as well sometimes. Um, don't be afraid to include jobs you had in high school, if you have yeah. room, because it tells me that you work, right? Mm-hmm. That, and that you show up every day. Like my son worked at Taco Bell for two years and he didn't want to put on his resume when he was coming out of grad sc- uh, college. And I go, wait a minute, you were there for two years. I mean, you showed up every day when you were assigned to show up and they never fired you. That's a great trait for me to see on your resume. So. I agree. Yeah. If that's all you've got for work experience, put it on there and show that you, you go to work and you show up. Go ahead, Kelsey. No, I was just going to um, kind of expand on that. So that a lot of times when I'm reviewing someone's resume, it's those kind of jobs that maybe are in the service industry that students don't think are really relevant or related to their career goals that they're kind of willing to part with. And you, I try to have the conversation with them that you've gained a lot of transferable skills there. So skills that you've learned in this one area, one part, like one job that you can then take with you throughout the course of your career. So at Taco Bell, you know, if you're working there, you're learning communication skills, how to, you know, problem solve, time management, just because you learn that in this position doesn't mean that you can't then take those skills and apply it in different positions. So sometimes you have to kind of look at it a little bit more in depth, right? So yeah, it was at Taco Bell, but I gained all of these skills that I can then apply in future positions. So those are great experiences to include. I love to see when students put them on a resume because it shows that they've worked, they've held a job for multiple years and you can infer the skills that they've gained from that, that they would then maybe apply and use in your position as well. So. And and it's not unusual for a 20 early 20 something year old to have had a waitering job or a pizza job. And that's, that's like normal. So they're they're not going to dock you anything for that. But, but then again, if you've worked in your field, play that up more, right? make that a bigger font. Maybe Kelsey, I don't know. How yeah, to do it. The best way to do that is honestly, if you have um, like a, let's say you have all of your experience in one section, you can separate it and have a related experience section and then have an additional experience section. So usually related experience is going to be anything that's related to your field or field of interest. So if you had an internship, uh, maybe you had a part-time job that was also related to your field that would go under related experience. And then if you were a waiter or had maybe a job on campus, those could go under additional experience because they're still important to include, but they're maybe not as directly related to what you want to do. So by separating them, you're just drawing a little bit more emphasis to those that are 
super relevant to, to your career goals, but you're also still including those other positions because as we just talked about, they're just as vital. That's great advice. Heather, we got time for another question. Do you have one? I do actually. Um, a lot of jobs that I've applied to, um, I, I've been applying over Indeed actually. Okay. So that's more automated, I guess. You just apply and you're done. Um, but a, a few of the jobs have asked for cover letters. And I know personally that's something I struggle with a little bit. Like I said before, yeah. I do have a basic cover letter made and then I just fill in the blanks. But I feel like that gets a little too impersonal sometimes too. Um, so I guess really my question is, are they more helpful than not? with some jobs and are they more important to reword with every job or is a basic guideline? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, cover letters can really be a great tool to highlight why you're the best candidate for the job. Um, the best letters are the ones that expand upon the skills and qualifications that you have as to why you're someone the organization should talk to and bring in for an interview. Um, these need to, though, be really highly tailored and super specific to the positions in which you're applying to. So um, you don't want to use like a cookie cutter cover letter that you just kind of fill in. Um, a lot of people do that, though, because they take time to write. And if you're you know, telling someone who's trying to apply for multiple positions to rewrite it each time, that's definitely time consuming. But um, really focus on putting a quality letter out, quality job applications versus trying to hit like a certain number each day, I think is a better approach. So this is where the position description is super helpful. So when someone's sitting down to write a cover letter, I'll have them, you know, pull that position description out and then even so much as highlight or circle, okay, what are the things they really want the person that they're hiring to do? Um, do I have experience doing that? And if so, then I'm going to talk about it in my cover letter. So I always use myself as an example when I was applying to jobs in higher ed and career services office. Some positions really focused on employer relations, career coaching. Some wanted experience doing programming and presentations um, and supervision. And so based off of that position description, I would say, okay, well, they really want someone with a lot of employer um, relations and development experience and career coaching. And so on my cover letter, I would talk about that in detail using specific examples, not just broad generalizations. Um, and those are the cover letters that can be really impactful. If you take the time to really write a tailored cover letter and you're talking about why this position and why this organization is someplace where you want to work, that can really complement your resume and your application. And whoever's reading it will kind of think, okay, yeah, I completely understand why they'd be interested. This is someone I'd want to talk to. And if the company's asking for a cover letter, you definitely want to include a cover letter. If it's optional, if you take the time to write a good one, then absolutely. If you're going to kind of just throw something together and submit it, probably not the best approach. But um, yeah, cover letters can be really, really great if done correctly. I have nothing to add. Everything she said is dead on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know um, that's also uh, my boyfriend's horrible like he's horrible with the cover letter like I am um we both actually have the cookie cutter you know fill in as we go and then there are some positions that I I have it the Indeed app on my phone so I'll just go in and like oh this looks nice apply you know and do that um and then there are those few jobs where it's like no i I really, really want this job. So I'll like race back to my room and grab my computer and start typing up as fast as I can a cover letter. 
or um, maybe even fix my resume just a little bit to have more emphasis on what they're looking right. for. Um, but yeah, that, that's really good information. Now I kind of want to go in and like redo my entire <laughs> cover letter. I mean, you can sometimes too, if you're applying to positions that are asking for similar, like they have similar job responsibilities, then you might be able to use components of like one cover letter for another. Um, but I've also heard multiple horror stories from employers that they'll get cover letters with the wrong company name, the wrong position name. And that's just such an easy way to kind of put yourself into the no pile. Cause it's like, they didn't even get the company name, right? How do they really want to work here? So that's also just a fear of mine. If people use just a cookie cutter cover letter, like I call it that they'll, they'll kind of get themselves out of the running before they even get to review their application. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of something I sometimes talk to is if, if you, you really know a company that you want to work at, there's no reason you can't just apply. Yeah. Just, just even if they don't have post anything, that obviously is going to take a really killer cover letter. Like I've always wanted to work for you. Let me prove it and explain it. And then, but I'm, I'm just dying to be this person for you. I think that that's not out of the question. Kelsey, does everybody talk about that? Yeah, I totally agree. If you have a company or organization, I just was on a call with some other career colleagues and um, one of the um, persons on that call, they were talking about a student that they worked with that wanted to work for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, he didn't really have a lot of basketball experience, but he was a diehard and everyone told him, oh, you're never going to get to work there. You're never going to get to work there. And so they had an interview day and she coached him on his resume, his cover letter. He knew what he was going to say and everything. And he submitted it um, online via email and then was able to meet with someone and now has worked with them for the last couple of years. And so he made his case. He knew that was his goal and everyone told him, I don't really think that's going to work out, but he was committed and he kind of just, you know, yeah. shot a shot and it worked out. So yeah, if you have a company by all means, send an email, it's never is going to hurt and it could really pay off in the long run. Yeah, there too. Um, there's actually one that I didn't know I ever really wanted to work for until I saw the opening on Indeed. And I was like, you know what, why not? And I've applied to them. They've had about seven or eight job openings. And they keep saying I need more experience, but I keep applying and I keep redoing the cover letter and reiterating what I love about them and anything else I can say. And I've gotten... I don't want to say rejection, but I've gotten like, try again later. And I keep applying. And my one friend, I was, I, I laugh about it a little bit because I'm not giving up on this. And she was like, well, maybe, maybe just like not apply for a while. I was like, no, we're going to keep my name up there. We're going to keep giving them my name and keep promoting myself or trying to. And then another job um, I really want, they do require 10 plus years experience before hiring you, which I, I get, I understand. It's a very big or newspaper that I want to work for. Um, and I understand that they don't want like an amateur or a beginner or a rookie, but I applied because they did have an opening and it was a very, very low position, I guess. And I was like, I can always work my way up. So I applied and they did say no, but they then I got the notification actually this morning that they had another opening and I jumped right on it and I applied. I was like, I, I know it's going to be a no, but I'm still going to keep applying. Just, you never know. They may exactly. throw that out the window eventually and be like, okay, fine. She keeps insisting. <laughs> Kelsey's story is right on. Sometimes it's just determination. It's yeah. just sticking with it and doing it. And I tell my class, it's a 40-hour-a-week job to apply for jobs. 
You know, finding a job takes a lot of time. Don't think it's five minutes a day and you just fill out Indeed stuff. It is a very, very time-consuming thing to do, and uh, and that means you got to make a you got to make a commitment to it. You can't just do it part-time on the side, so to speak. I I believe, Kelsey, you agree? Yeah, I. You always hear searching for a job is a full-time job, so it it takes time, and it doesn't happen overnight. So don't get defeated if you're not getting responses or taking some time, it looks different for everyone. So, and it's not something to compare because every person's job search will look different. So oh, yeah. um, that can kind of get really, that can get <laughs> ugly real quick if you start comparing yourself to other people. So it, just stay the course, be focused, be determined and good things usually end out. Uh, I'll wrap up with a quick story. Like I, I had one offer once I got my PhD from Michigan, one job offer. I took it. But you know how many it takes to have a job? One offer. <laughs> it just takes one offer. And then you're off and you're, and you're off to the races. So, guys, this has been fantastic. Thanks for talking. This has been yes. wonderful. We've gone a little long. and you may, We might have to have come back because I think there's more we could talk about. I would love to. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kelsey. And thank you too, Heather. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lauber. 